Getting sober requires a lot more than mind over matter, a lot more than willpower. It's about leveraging the support around you. People in recovery typically need a mix of medical help, emotional support, and changes in lifestyle to manage their addiction, not just mental determination. As both a therapist and someone embracing the recovery lifestyle, there's one tool I always recommend to people needing extra accountability, Soberlink. Soberlink is a high-tech breath analyzer system designed to help you get and stay sober. And here's why I love it. You'll test the same day every day, eliminating testing anxiety. Friends and family receive instant test results, helping you rebuild trust and preventing relapse. Accountability is a part of that, and it's something to really be embraced. Devices have built-in facial recognition, so your support circle knows you're testing, and tamper-resistant sensors flag any attempts at trying to beat the system, so your sobriety is never questioned. So let 2024 be your best year yet. Visit Soberlink.com forward slash T-A-M to sign up and receive $50 off your device. That's Soberlink.com forward slash T-A-M. And let accountability be your guide. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 24 of the Addicted Mind podcast. My name is Dwayne Osterland, and I'm your host, I'm excited that you're here and we have a great episode today. Before we get started, I just wanna thank everybody who has rated and reviewed us in iTunes. It really does help and it really does get us a lot of exposure to get this information out to people who it can be helpful to. So thanks and I really appreciate all the people who have done that. I think one of the hardest things to do is when you're dealing with an addiction and you're in recovery, is changing your mindset around how you see yourself and how you see yourself in the world and how you see the world. Our guest today, Megan Fenyo, is going to talk about those issues directly and how she works with clients to help them shift that way of thinking to create a more positive outcome for themselves. I think this episode is filled with a lot of good information, so I hope everybody enjoys it and gets a lot out of it. One thing before we start the episode is that Megan has graciously given us access to her 100 Positive Affirmations worksheet, and that's going to be in the show notes at theaddictedmind.com forward slash 24. So go there. If you're working on changing your mindset, this is a great way to start, and you can download it there. So now let's begin the episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Addicted Mind podcast. My guest today is Megan Fenyo, and she is going to talk about trauma, addiction, and changing your mindset. Megan, you want to introduce yourself and kind of tell us a little bit about your story and and how you kind of got involved in your work? Yes. Thank you so much for having me on this morning. I'm really excited to be chatting about some important things that are close to my heart And I've been a mental health therapist for a little over 15 years. And my primary focus is on trauma and substance abuse. I am a veteran and I provided mental health services to, as an officer in the Air Force, to veterans and active duty members, primarily on substance abuse. And most recently, I worked in the hospital setting, working with patients with addiction issues. And my primary focus, like I said, is is trauma and substance abuse, but definitely mindset and how mindset can really change the course of our life. And a little bit about my story is I have been a mental health therapist for 
a long time, but personally, I've, I've really struggled with a lot of challenges and defeats in my life. And personally and professionally, I've really developed some really great mindset tools in order to get me unstuck in those moments when life kind of has, has me down. One of the things that I see a lot in people when I'm working with them is that being able to change that mindset, that way of thinking. So can you kind of tell us a little bit when you say mindset, what, it, what, it, what does that mean? Well, mindset can mean a plethora of different things to, to people. But what I really like to focus on is when you think about how many negative things we say to ourselves in a day, if you really pay attention to it, the negative thoughts are astounding that we say. Sometimes unconsciously, we don't even realize that we're saying it, but then our mood kind of changes. And then we also can hear ourselves verbalizing different things about ourselves. And so, and then if you think about the times that we say something positive, it's way easier to say negative things to ourselves than positive. And I truly believe that everything in our lives comes from our mindset and the things that we're telling ourselves. And so I really work with clients and even myself on what are we saying to ourselves? What is holding us back? And that's usually the negative thoughts that we're thinking and what, what we're saying to ourselves. Okay. Can you give us some like some what would be some of the examples of like our negative thoughts and our negative thinking? Definitely. So I'll just give you a little background story. I went through a very difficult childhood and also a learning disability. And one thing that I had was when my guidance counselor in high school told me never to go to college because I wasn't going to graduate. Now, I could have let that just completely derail me and let that all of those things and all of the trials that I went through growing up just kind of lead me down a road that I, I didn't want to go down. But it was his voice in my head and me developing positive self-statements that really helped me get through my undergrad and my master's program. And that's in regards to just career-wise where we want to go. And most recently was when I went through a really difficult divorce. And I was at the point where I couldn't get out of bed in the morning, even as a mental health therapist. Wow. And yeah, it was... It was very difficult and that was about two years ago. And so I had to learn different mindset tools. So not just, not just positive self-statements, but tools that I could use to get out of bed and to be able to be an effective therapist. Right. And, you know, kind of talking about what you said earlier, that addiction and that trauma component, I mean, having that early experience with that guidance counselor who basically said, you're not smart. I mean, that would have been horrific. Yeah, I mean, it was it was devastating. And it was something that was always in the back of my head and I refused to let him win. And when I did get my master's, I did send him a copy of my master's degree. That's awesome. <laughs> um, with a letter and then cease, I was in the, in the resource room in high school. And so I also sent it to my resource room teacher. But just those moments. And it wasn't easy. Yeah. It, you may have good mindset tools, but life can still take over. And having, like I tell my patients, is like having a ton of tools in your tool belt is super, super important because one mindset tool 
is not going to work for every situation, especially when it comes to addiction and trauma. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree with that. I mean, what I working in the addiction field as well, kind of like your experience, that negative experience, so much starts to develop that voice that we have. And it becomes almost easy to go to that negative, that negative, like to believe those criticisms about ourselves or even what we make up. Sometimes someone might say something and it doesn't mean what they mean, you know, but to us it means something and we hold on to it and it forms so much of our identity. It does. And kind of working against that. And then, you know, we run into addiction as a way to cope. Exactly. And when you had said, like, we hear people say things and it's not really what they mean, you know, it's about not reading people's minds. Like, we're not mind readers. And one thing that we do is, especially when it comes to trauma and addiction, when I went through my divorce, I really, even though I'm in this field, I really didn't and focus on trauma. I really didn't realize that my divorce and his affair was a trauma. And I was experiencing those trauma symptoms. And it was a crazy, unexplainable experience. And addiction totally falls into place with that. I, I do um, a lot of work with trauma symptoms and substance abuse. And exactly what you said, how people turn to substances because we don't want to feel those horrible, negative, hurt, pain. You know, we don't want to feel those feelings. And so we turn to drugs and alcohol or food or gambling or shopping. And because we get that instant gratification and then that pain and that hurt goes away. Right. Right. Yeah, definitely. In that moment goes away. But once again, we're left with, after that moment passes, we're left with that pain again. And then how do we cope with that? How do we start to change that? And that is, that's a good question. And it takes practice and repetition and support there are so many different tools out there. And when I work with my clients, we really focus on what is going to work for you. And I give them a lot of things to try. So I've had patients that like, we call it physical grounding and soothing grounding. And a lot of my clients have objects. I have one client that had a DUI and had addiction to alcohol and he got just a random key, car key, because he had lost his license. And he would keep that key in his pocket everywhere he would go. And when he had increased thoughts of wanting to drink or thoughts of just, I, this is not going to work, like my addiction is taking over, he would touch that key. And what that key meant to him was that he was safe and that to remind him to take it one I say one minute at a time instead of one day at a time. Oh, sometimes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and that really helped for him. And I have other patients that have rocks because of the anxiety. And so there's so many different types of tools. And especially when people can feel something or see something, it really helps ground them and focus on those thoughts of, not wanting to use. So I have a question. When you're working with your clients, how do you help them start to identify these thoughts? Because I've, I've found that when you know some of these thoughts are so automatic that we don't even know in a way, we don't even know we're having them. How do you kind of help your clients find those thoughts or start to identify this negative thinking? So I, I actually have a program that I call Five Steps to Finally Believing You're Enough. And I work with clients on it 
pretty much like six months. And we really start with what I call a deep dive. And it's really identifying those thoughts. So I have them keep a thought log, especially when they have increased triggers of wanting to use. Maybe they're not sleeping and they're waking up and they're having nightmares or there's just so many things going on in their mind. So I have them do a lot of thought logs and really being mindful in your head. And it's emotionally draining. It is. It's, it's not anything that's easy, but becoming more conscious of what you're saying. And so there's something to be said about when you're writing things down. You're able to slow your mind down to really think about those thoughts. So the first work that I do with clients is start writing different thoughts down. It's not, it doesn't have to be all of your thoughts, but the thoughts that you really remember or really can say, oh my gosh, that was a negative thought. Yeah. And then of course, it starts with education as well. Right. Yeah. And I've seen that too, that that intentionality of like writing it down and slowing down this thought process can really help someone start to, to see it because it seems like it's so automatic that we don't notice it. We don't, we like just do it. So yeah, I, I definitely can see that too, like writing it down being very conscious of it, taking the time to really do it. And and it is exhausting. It's hard work. I've done it. And it's like, wow, this, this, yeah, because you're not running to your escape, whatever your escape is. You're not running to it. You're having to like write it out and think about it. And it's not always fun in the beginning. Exactly. Exactly. And education too. I mean, it's, that's what I love what I do because it's just educating clients on what I've learned personally, I do share my story as, as much as it's appropriate to, to clients and just starting where they're at and taking it slow. That is the most important. And, and definitely too, we talk about morning rituals. So what does your morning look like? And if you're just getting out of bed and you're super anxious, what are you doing to calm those thoughts and those feelings because our morning ritual is most important when it comes to our day. So really helping clients develop a morning ritual, whether it be mindfulness, meditation, a gratitude list, being able to focus on the positive things in their life to start their morning off. Yeah, and that really takes that intentionality to do that. And a lot of times we don't realize like how the things are happening in our life that impact us in a negative, positive way. We don't actually take the time to really look and do what you're saying. And, you know, I really think having someone there who can definitely in the beginning hold you accountable, kind of nurture you along is so important in this in, in kind of a recovery process, especially from addiction, because you're really having to change your whole life. Exactly. And sometimes you be working in this field as well. Sometimes clients only have their therapist or their sponsor because their family members don't understand the disease of addiction. And I know even as a mental health therapist, I've had to have professional support, right? I needed a person that really was a neutral person that was just there for my well-being and to help me. And the accountability piece is huge. I have accountability partners for different things in my life, especially when it comes to self-care. And it just helps to know that there's someone out there and that you have to be accountable to someone else than just yourself. Yeah, I definitely agree. I, I do the same thing as well. And I have people that I'm accountable to for things in my life that I'm like, okay, here's my goals. Here's what I'm going to do. And then they check in the next week. So did you do them? And 
if you didn't, what happened? Being able to have that kind of conversation with somebody who is not not in your circle, so to speak, they're kind of on the outside and they can look in is so incredibly helpful. Agreed. So I just, there's so many different things and I really work with clients. And like I said, on this morning ritual, time management is huge as well, especially when you're starting into sobriety and how are you going to fit in your meetings? How are you going to fit in family time and work and getting overwhelmed with, I can't do this. Life is too stressful. And so really working with clients too on time management and what that looks like for them. Oh yeah, definitely. Because it's, once again, kind of going back to when people are inv- actively involved in an addiction, there's so much unmanageability in their life that not having that skill set, not first not understanding their thoughts and the impact their own thoughts have and that they have some control over how they choose to think about something, but then also just those life skills because it's been so taken up by the addiction that time management, all that kind of stuff that makes life easier just almost sometimes is non-existent. Exactly. And time management is like I talked about, and it's a whole new life for people in addiction. And I have really close friends that are in different stages of sobriety and and clients as well. And, And what I like to do with my clients is develop what I call a strength plan. And that includes healthy living, mind, body, and soul. So it's not just about health and wellness with your body, but also health and mindset when it comes to your mind and your soul. And a lot of people that are in sobriety don't really think about their health and what they're putting into their body and how that can help with their mindset. And when they're going through detox and all of the things that happen with the pause post-acute withdrawal, that can last a couple months. Really focusing on being mindful of what you're putting into your body and what you're putting into your mind is so, so important. It can seem a little overwhelming, right? Right, right. But working with someone and doing it step by step and having that accountability is so important. Yeah, and I think that's where support comes in, right? Because like it is overwhelming. When you're trying to break out of an addiction, there's so much, probably so much pain. Most of the time when people are getting into recovery, there's some kind of level of crisis in their life. And so they've got to manage that. And And having having support on the outside is, I think, kind of critical to that recovery process. However, it is with a therapist, with a coach, with a sponsor, 12 steps, smart recovery, life ring, whatever, whatever recovery you're going, getting that extra support is critical. Exactly. And wherever you're at in your sobriety, if it's your first time in sobriety, if it's you're coming back multiple times. It's so important to reach out. And that can be a huge hurdle for people in sobriety is, and for anyone actually, is is asking for help. It's so difficult because we think that we can do this on our own. And as the 12 steps say, is like we're powerless over our addiction. And it's really accepting that help. And what does that help look like? And I really work with that with patients too, because it's it's about what do you believe about yourself? So many people that are in sobriety and or in the world of addiction have those feelings of guilt and shame. And when they get into treatment, they deal a lot with, well, I'm taking away from my family time. I'm taking away from work. I feel guilty. And so I really, I begin really with, with those thoughts with patients because building that self-worth 
and having them believe that it's okay to think about yourself right now. Kind of the concept of you have to take care of yourself before you can take care of others. So I know that that's that's a struggle for all of us, I think. Oh, definitely. I, I think that's so true. And and that reaching out for help and kind of, like you said, the guilt and the shame often keeps people isolated and alone. And then they don't get that support and yet they need the support to feel better. And then they need the structure that someone outside can give them. And it is that first, that first very big hurdle to get over is is that reaching out to somebody else outside of yourself to say, look, I can't do this. I need some support. And I, and I think that that is probably the, the first most difficult step. Mm-hmm. But if you can get past that step, then, then you've got a real, real shot. Yes, exactly. And I'm sure you've experienced this too, clients that come in and we, of course, we encourage them to go to like outside meetings and in different groups. And Most clients are like, no, I can't do this. I can't do that. And then when they immerse themselves in those groups, they're like, oh my goodness, I am so, I love the groups or I love my meetings because I'm not alone. So true. And I always thought I was alone and that no one would understand. I know that's kind of uh, the irony of the whole thing is that addiction is an epidemic. There are so many people struggling with addiction. You are not alone. And our shame tells us that we should remain hidden and no one can see us. And but the, the reality is, is that addiction is such a crisis, I think, at least in the United States, and you're not alone. So reach out, get help. People understand. People have been there. People can give you wisdom. People can support you. Reach out. <laughs> yeah. And there's when we think about addiction, we just think about drugs and alcohol. That's what our mindset goes to. And there's just so many different addictions out there. I know when I went through my divorce, I totally was that shopping addiction, right? Like I'm like, oh, oh yeah. let me just go and buy this and buy that. And I had that instant gratification piece. And but there's so many different types of addictions out there. And yeah. there's so many groups out there. Can I tell you a funny story real quick? Sure, go. Yeah. Okay. So I was doing a group, substance abuse group at the hospital I was working at. And I had been struggling. I know this is so funny and my patients always laugh about it, but with chapstick. Okay. And so I was talking to my coworker and I'm like, oh my goodness, like I have to stop using chapstick. My lips are, mm-hmm. you know, horrible and all of this stuff. And she's like, they have chapstick AA meetings or chapstick like anonymous meetings online. And I was like, no way. And this was like two years ago. And so I went online and sure enough, there's all of these support groups for chapstick addiction. And it was to the point where I had to go through my house and get all the chapsticks out of my house, out of my desk, at work, in my car. And when I had combined all my chapsticks, we do this with alcohol, we do this with all kinds of different things. I had over 25 different chapsticks that had been opened and I found them all over the place. And I had to take them out, put them in the, in the garbage and then really work on, and that's when my mindset started was, oh my goodness, my lips are so dry. Like, I can't do this. I can't do this. And going online and talking to people and it was, people laugh about it, but like you had said, there's addictions, there's all kinds of addictions, but not just drug and alcohol. So yeah, no, you know, that reminds me, I don't know if you're familiar with Gabor Mate and his his book In the Realm of Hungry Ghosts, but he talks about his 
his addiction, he worked uh, up in Vancouver with uh, hardcore addiction and everything. And, and he's a great speaker, but he talked about in his book, his addiction to buying classical CD, CD music. And it was his way to relieve his anxiety. And, and yet it was compulsive and it was detrimental. And um, it's difficult to change our behavior. It is. It totally is. And I'm actually starting to write a book called Stepping Out of Your Straight Jacket Into Your Strength. Awesome. Yeah. And I struggled with that with that title, but we're talking about mindset and talking about how our thoughts and our feelings can literally make us feel that we're in that straight jacket, that they're consuming us so much. And then how do you break out of that straight jacket into your strength and and build the life that you want, knowing that you can conquer these addictions, taking it one minute at a time. Yeah, it's hard to change. And I, and I tell everybody that comes in that change is difficult. It's not easy. And we really have to, like, if we want to make a significant change, we have to invest in it. Mm-hmm. There's, in my thought, in my thought, there's no other way. You know, you got to invest fully in it if you want to make that significant change in your life. Because exactly. it's just not easy. Exactly. Right. And I'm sure that you've experienced this in your practice as well. Is I've had some clients that have come and they're like, I'm ready. I can't, I can't do this anymore. I need help. And they may end up relapsing, or they, if they do end up relapsing and they come back, they may have to come back multiple times. But they're always learning something new when they're coming back. And then Usually at one point, they're like, I'm truly 100% ready. I wasn't ready before, but I'm ready now. And that's where you see the big changes come, right? The, the, big, the big aha moments. So it's even if there's relapses and things that happen, it's, you're still learning and you'll still be able to use those coping skills, but you truly have to be in that acceptance piece of, I want this, I need this, and I'm going to get the help no matter how long it takes. Yeah. I'm going to do this. Yeah, you, you have to be all in. And it does take some, sometimes it takes some some clients a little while to get all in. Yeah. And that's where in the helping profession, you know, we can just be there for that process. And kind of each time they do have that moment, we can encourage them to keep going yeah. until they get to that that point where, like you said, it's like, okay, I'm all in. I'm, I'm ready to go. So. So Megan, I really appreciate you coming on. Um, yes. Usually what I, I do at the end is just ask, is what would is someone out there who's struggling with mm-hmm. trauma, addiction, and is struggling to change their mindset, what would you, what would be the one piece of advice you would give them? Reach out for help, you know, get that support because we can't do it on our own and we deserve to live the life that we, we want. And it's, you need help when it comes to mindset. We've talked about that on here on this episode today is is we all need help when it comes to mindset and and staying on the path that we know is is meant for us. Awesome. Well said. I couldn't agree more. So how can people find information about you or more about you if, if they want to want to follow up? Yeah. So you can go to my website. I do individual coaching and also I have a group coaching program that's happening in March. And you can go to my website. It's www.missionstrengthsd. So mission strength, S is in Sam, D is in dog.com. And I've got some great 
free tools on there. I have a free audio called Five Steps to Finally Believing You're Enough. And I also have compiled the top 100 positive affirmations. um, And I put it on a document, just affirmations that I've used in my life that clients have used. And your listeners can go and, and download that as well. Oh, awesome. Thank you. And I will put that all in our show notes. So you can go to theaddictedmind.com and and get all that information. Megan, once again, I want to thank you so much for your time and coming on and sharing your wisdom. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you guys so much for listening to the Addicted Mind podcast. Once again, all the show notes will be at theaddictedmind.com forward slash 24. And don't forget, you can go to the website and download Megan's 100 Positive Affirmations Worksheet. It's a great place to start if you are working on changing your mindset. Affirmations are a way for us to begin to think differently, say different things to ourselves that create more positive change and positive emotions. So check it out there, theaddictedmind.com forward slash 24. Have a wonderful week. It's easy to blame ourselves for our struggles with alcohol. We see people around us being able to control their drinking without any consequences, yet no matter what we try, we can't seem to figure it out for ourselves. My name is Jillian Teets, and I am the host of the Sober Powered Podcast, where I use my biochemistry background to explain the latest research in addiction and help you understand both why you drink the way you do and how to develop the skills and mindset you need to find freedom from alcohol. I discuss topics like why we think about our drinking 24-7, why we have no off switch, and why we crave alcohol. If you're struggling with your drinking or you know someone who is, then I hope that you will check out the Sober Powered Podcast. New episodes every Friday. See you there.